retail industry is changing fast. And now, more than ever before, retailers are realizing they need to figure out how to keep up. So what's the first question you should be asking yourself? Well, I'll tell you. How does AI fit into your business? With over two decades of experience, our AI data engine connects 150 plus enterprise and cloud system data connectors. With tracking on over 4 billion SKUs, Edited helps retailers leverage the best in AI-driven data and insights to succeed. In this mini-series, we'll bring the insights straight to you. With the help of Edited's president, John Squire, and senior vice president of retail sciences, Michael Ross. Subscribe now to Edited Inside Retail and take a listen to our Tech Talk mini-series, where commerce and technology meet to discuss the latest trends shaping the global retail landscape, helping you solve the everyday challenges you are facing in your business. I'll be your host, Grace Hill, Retail Strategy Director at Edited. You can find this mini-series as part of the main Edited podcast feed, and you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Once again, I have with me Edited's President, John Squire, joining us from Silicon Valley, and Edited Senior Vice President of Retail Sciences, Michael Ross, who is here with me in Soho. Um, Hey, both. How are you doing? I'm very well, Grace. Very good. Very good today. Great. Well, in the last episode, we really laid the groundwork on why retail executives need to pay attention to AI in the world of retail. Um, but you also both touched on how the retail consumer has changed and is changing. I'd love to explore more of that today. So thank you, Grace. I think um, when we think about the the role of of consumers in retail, and I think it's sort of helpful to to think back um, to a little bit of retail history, pre internet. Um, if if one can imagine what the world was like, um, retail was conceptually very very simple. Um, you found a store format that worked, and then you opened more stores. And when we look at the the world's you know great successful retailers, um, they've opened thousands of stores around the world, and. Clearly, as consumers, again, pre-internet, you were constrained by geographical proximity to stores. So actually opening stores was really the only way to get access to different customers. And, you know, when the Internet um, launched um, and I was there at the beginning in in, back in 94, um, it it was hard to imagine how fundamentally that would change retail. It was sort of on the one hand obvious, but really on the other hand, a lot of people saying, well, isn't it just like mail order? But, but, you know, 25 years later, what we can see is that you know, consumers anywhere in the world pretty much have access to um, any retailer anywhere in the world. And, and, and what does that mean? Well, fundamentally, we see this, the shift required from retailers is to move from being shopkeepers to being customer keepers, to move from a world of being good at managing shops to really understanding how do they build and understand and manage relationship with customers. And what, what, why is, why is that different? What does it mean to be a, a, a customer keeper? And how do you make sense of um, millions of customer level transactions? Um, there are many important techniques, but one we think is the most important is to recognize that um, the customer becomes the, the unit of retail that you're trying to optimize. So rather than thinking about your profitability of a store, you now need to think about the profitability of a customer. 
And whilst you will execute in channels and online and, and stores, it's really customer profitability is 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 the is the entity that you're, you're you you need to focus on. And when you start looking at your business profitability through the lens of customers, one of the things you see very quickly is that customers are not created equal. Um, we we do a lot of analysis of customer profitability. Um, and one of the things that we see typically is that when we do a customer profitability decile analysis, by which we mean you divide your all your customers into 10 groups of equal profitability, having ranked them from the most profitable to the least profitable customer. What we see is that a top decile customer, a high profit customer, might be worth 50 or even 100 times a low profit customer and that your average customer really either doesn't exist or is entirely unrepresentative of your customer base. I think, Michael, the um, the point that you've made so many times around this move from being a shopkeeper to a customer keeper, um, just as a as a thought exercise, uh, we know that uh, many of our clients struggle with this in the sense that they've built in to their business uh, this um, management style, which is always around the store. They start their week thinking about how did my stores perform over the weekend? What did my stores do last week compared to this week? What did they do last year on this week compared to uh, you know this uh, past week? And the comparison has always started from a store standpoint and the cadence of a week uh, in terms of how they uh, measure that, uh, how they think about what they're going to do in the in the coming week and how they finish out a week um, is fairly ingrained in the management style, in the uh, in the structure of reporting, in the structure of actions. And turning that upside down and moving towards this customer piece puts people in a in a place where it's uncomfortable. They don't have precedent of years or decades of operating the business in this manner. And so to learn the new metrics of what it means to measure your customers, how to talk about that, how to make decisions, um, whether it's on a Monday, a Tuesday, or every day as a Monday, uh, becomes, you know, something that is um, just unnatural. And so I think that's, you know, one of the things that just um, causes a lot of pain and angst uh, for retail executives and uh, retail organizations is flipping the entire business upside down to now thinking about it from a customer keeper standpoint. So what we find uh, with the executives that we work with is that they're looking for uh, new ways to think through the problem that they have at hand, uh, how to help their people be more flexible and to adopt a new viewpoint of looking at the business. And then, you know, on top of all of this is to understand the decisions that they make, how to measure those, whether they're moving the business forward in a positive or if it's moving in a negative direction, and then how quickly they need to respond. So I think the the move, as Michael said, from a shopkeeper to a customer keeper is really upending the business in a wide range of ways. Great, great points, John. I think one of the observation, I'll tell a story um, of when I was um, CEO of figleaves.com. So this is back in 2004. And I um, was hiring my successor, who's a guy I brought in from Amazon. He'd been the MD of Amazon UK up until that point. And he arrived at Fig Leaves and um, looked at the business. And then after a couple of weeks, he sat me down and he said, Michael, you're, you're measuring all the wrong things. And, and I said, I said, well, well what, what, do you, what do you mean? Can you give me an example 
well, I think I was probably a little bit more defensive than that. And he said, well, yeah, he said, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a few examples, but let's start with this one. He says, you're, you're telling me that, um, we're 92% in stock at the SKU level, um, which we were. And he said, it doesn't matter. He said, what matters is, are you in stock of the products that customers are looking at? Um, a measure of viewed availability. And, you know, we thought we were a pretty smart leadership team, but we'd been running the business for six years and had never thought of that. And when we looked at our viewed availability, it was um, it was about 70%. It was much, much worse than our um, unweighted availability. And why was it so bad? Well, we had lots of um, um, marketing that was driving traffic to products that were either completely sold out or very fragmented. We had lots of clever sort orders and recommendation zones on the website that were very good at recommending products that were selling, but not so good at pushing them down um, when they, again, were selling out or very fragmented and had sold out of most of their sizes. So there's this, there's this epiphany, this moment of sort of insight of saying that we've been running this business and looking at the data in one way. And once you start measuring viewed availability, which is really the customer's experience of availability, um, we were delivering a much worse experience to customers than we, we, we thought we were. So you would think that would be relatively easy to fix, but the challenge became of who actually owned viewed availability. Viewed availability is is the intersection of four different groups. Um, it's the merchandising team who own the inventory, the supply chain team who decide you know where in the supply chain they're going to sort of hold 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 stock, the digital team who are controlling the website, and the marketing team who are driving traffic into the website. And so, what became clear is you had a metric that was really important, um, extremely hard to work out who owned it. And even when you worked out who owned it, they really didn't have the levers to pull to fix it. Because again, we had lots of technology and black boxes that were powering the website that if someone said, well, I want to now improve the viewed availability experience, the team would go, well, I can't do that. I think, Michael, um, there's so many parts that you just went through right there that we could unpack that and have an entire uh, podcast just on that one answer alone. Uh, you know, one thing that I think you touch on right at the very beginning there is you as you went through the example from Fig Leaves, and I love that one in terms of the uh, viewed availability aspect, is that it really calls into question uh, a lot of the reporting that uh, that retailers were very accustomed to. Uh, that in many cases, uh, the data wasn't connected or, or it was hard to come by. So, uh, you know, I think what you find in just this one single metric is, uh, as you said, there's four different groups uh, that, you know, kind of control an aspect of that metric. Uh, there's four different data silos uh, that are required to come together to even get to that metric. But it's quite revealing when you have a view into the business in that way around what are the products that my customers look at? What are the products that I have in inventory? Where do I have profitability in the in the inventory? And can I show what that change of the metric is? What is the velocity of a single metric? And then the bigger question is, can we do something um, in a reasonable amount of time that will change the trajectory of our business? What from your perspective, are the most important metrics for retailers to be focusing on when putting the customer first and focusing on them? So I would say there are there are there are four key metrics, and and I, I'll I'll give some context. I'm a huge student of Amazon. Um, we've been lucky enough um, through my business career to work with a number of ex 
ex-Amazonians and and also for anyone interested in this topic, Jeff Bezos has written a letter to his shareholders every year. They're all on the Amazon website and they're really a, a sort of a masterclass in how Amazon thinks and has, has built their business. Uh, and, and for me, there are four fundamental customer-centric metrics. Um, the first one is is viewed availability. Are you in stock of the products customers are looking at? The second one is viewed price competitiveness. Are you price competitive on the products that customers are looking at? Third one is delivery on promise. Are you delivering to customers when you told them you would? And the fourth one is range competitiveness, which is very business specific, but is a measure of do you have products that your competitors um, don't have? And, and do you have all the relevant products that your competitors do have? I think, Michael, the one that I would add to that is uh, cost of order uh, in the sense of, you know, all the, the fully loaded cost of an order uh, from what the marketing cost is through to what the uh, logistics and handling costs are uh, of that order. Uh, and, you know, that obviously gets into what the uh, margin per order is. Uh, as a as a measure of uh, you know how well you're addressing the customer need and how uh, well your organization can deliver on that in a profitable way. That was a really great chat, you two. Let's stop there. If you enjoyed our conversation today, make sure you subscribe to the edited podcast where you can stay up to date on all future episodes of our Tech Talk series. You can also check us out on Instagram at edited underscore HQ to stay up to date on the latest retail news and insights. You've been listening to the Edited Podcast Tech Talk mini-series with Edited's President, John Squire, and Senior Vice President of Retail Sciences, Michael Ross. And I've been your host, Grace Hill. Thank you so much for listening.